Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, Tran Hermostis, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. I am so excited to have a mom cast conversation today that is not a typical one. And I love that it's not a typical one because as somebody who, I don't know, this is going to push me a little bit, but at the same time, I'm excited for that because I think a lot of us have defined motherhood by very specific things and by specific looks to it. And then we feel judgmental towards each other. And I think that it's really important that we have bigger, broader conversations around motherhood and what it looks like. And so please welcome Mila and Erica from Good Moms, Bad Choices. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, everyone. So tell me, you guys, we, we just did your podcast and you briefly said that you met at a party and then decided to start a podcast. Can we start there? What the heck? <laughs> yeah, sure. pretty much kind of, well, th- really the story started on Instagram, much like many mm. love stories. <laughs> yes. Yes. The gram itself. <laughs> I actually had just had my daughter and was the first of my friends to have any kids. And so I felt really alone and isolated. I was scrolling on the internet one day when my homegirls had posted a picture of Jamila and I was like, who is who is this girl? I don't even know this girl. How, wow. My friends have went behind my back and I got a new friend. What the fuck? <laughs> Cause you know, when you're pregnant, everyone stops calling you like you're the pregnant one. So, and then I, and I was like, Oh my God, she has a baby. Who is she? Like, why would they keep her from me? They know I'm alone. What the fuck? Who is this? And so I hit up my girl and I was like, who's your friend? And she was like, Oh, that's Jamila. Actually, we're going out tonight to this bar. You should come and meet her. And I was like, yeah, I, I'm going to do that. And that was really like not normal, like behavior for me. I'm kind of like, I'm kind of one of those people like I chill back and like, I'll, you know, like if you're my friend, we'll become friends. If it feels organic, it feels organic. I'm not going to go out of my way, but that's kind of how desperate I was in that space, right? Like when I first had my daughter. And so I dropped my like three month year old baby off at my mom's house and went to this bar with that intention, found Jamila, literally found her in the bathroom and was like, Hey, Hey, I'm Erica. You're Nisha's friend, right? I heard you have a baby. She's like, yeah, <laughs> I do. 
And I was like, we should get together. I think we exchanged numbers. I literally maybe had a drink and left to go back to get my kid because I was breastfeeding. And we got together that week. I didn't really know Jamila. All I knew from Jamila was that from Instagram, like, she looked like she was living like the perfect life. Like she had her baby. She like is 90 pounds immediately after having it as a six pack. I'm like, wow, what a bitch. But also like, she's fucking beautiful. Like I want to be friends with her. What like, <laughs> And so, and then, and, and Jamila too, like, I guess she, I mean, you can tell your side of the story because it's interesting too. what Instagram will have you believing. Yeah. I was also the first of my friends, my immediate friends to have a baby. And I was a little fucking like, what the fuck? And I, I also had seen Erica on Instagram and what, what I had seen of her, I just, I don't know. This is the most pressing thing. She had gotten engaged at her baby shower. She had a huge rock. And like, I was like, wow, she's living the life. She's actually like doing it right. Getting engaged and having a baby. That was not the position I was in, even though I had known my baby daddy for years. We just weren't in the position for like big rocks. And I was like, oh my God, my love story is broke. It doesn't look good. And I was sad. And I was like, look at this bitch, you know, with this uh, like beautiful fucking baby shower, this huge rock. She's getting proposed to. And I didn't have any friends with with kids. And I'm always like the most friendly bitch at the party, like making friends in the bathroom. So when this woman like came and cornered me in the bathroom, I was like, you want to be friends? (laughs) Yeah, actually. Sure. Really? I felt like I was in high school and like some one of the cool girls wanted to hang out with me, invited me to her table. So I mean, like, it started there. And then she was like, yeah, let's get the girls together on Monday. Keep in mind, the girls were like six months old. So <laughs> it was not much of a play date. They couldn't talk. They could barely hold, hold the fucking hold their heads up. We have like one picture from this play date and they're like, <laughs> um, I think we were both in this place where we had a lot to say, but really didn't know where to begin. And, mm. and, and also like feeling, you know, didn't want to be judged or judge like how how's it going over there are you, are you liking this shit yeah yeah I do I, I do like it it's kind of cool kind of weird and <laughs> we were like in just two completely different relationships I remember her telling me like oh yeah my baby daddy I thought he was like an African prince he was like a gangster rapper I was like huh that's not what I thought from Instagram because Instagram's a lie and I was skinny I've always been skinny <laughs> but I still felt really like foreign in my body you know I just felt like I-, I breastfed for a really long time by choice but I just felt a little bit like a cow and that like my existence was just to like feed and take care of people and like that was not like I was also considered I think like the wildest one of my friends and everyone was like a little bit shocked that I decided to have a baby first. And it made me feel really weird in the transition of motherhood and like the part of me that I still was. And the truth was me and Erica like really touched the very surface on that play date. And I think we hung out one time without the kids and we went out to like a club and we were with another friend. And even then I felt really intimidated by Erica. Like I had another friend tell me like, Erica's beautiful and she's an actress. And I was like, (laughs) Oh, wow. She's beautiful. She's an African prince and she's an actress. No. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, you know, like just like uh, just a little insight of how we make up stories in our heads. Yeah, we do. And decide that they're true and they're not. And so, you know, we hung out one time and I think, yeah, that was really it. We saw each other at like birthday parties. Like I I would I think I like I forgot to invite her to the two year old birthday party, but I think she got to the three year old birthday party. But by that time, no, maybe it was a two year old birthday party. By that time, she was I had already broken up with my baby daddy. I started to transition out of that slowly but she had a more of like an abrupt ending and I remember like that was like kind of the the chatter that was going around in our friend group but I hadn't really we weren't really close like that so I was kind of waiting for her to tell me you know and sure enough at the birthday party she told me and I was like oh that's cool that's interesting and I was like kind of like bitch we're both we're both single we're both single moms (laughs) look it's both of us now (laughs) it's happening Look, I'm in the boat with you. Don't worry. It's the club we didn't want to be in, but we're in it together now. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Low key. I was like, it's time to rekindle this friendship, remember? And it was interesting because like maybe she actually had just started dating and she was like, yeah, I'm on Tinder. I was like, oh, really? How is it over there? And she's like, it's great. I met a couple and they're fine as hell. I was like, what? (laughs) And I had always been like a spicy, a spicy adult, but I think I I was struggling trying to like, again, find how to merge my post mom self and my now mom self. And when she told me this, I was like, oh my God, this bitch is more my flavor than I thought. You know, I was like, really? And that excited me and kind of made me want to be her friend more. (laughs) Me having threesomes. Wow. Great. That was really that really sparked our friendship for real. I was like, wow, maybe this really is my bitch, even though we haven't done much talking. And then shortly after she was like, yeah, I've been listening to podcasts and there's not a lot of like single moms. There's not a lot of black moms. Like, do you want to start a podcast with me? And I was like, I could have cried. I was like, yes, yes, I do. I'm not really sure what a podcast is like radio. I don't care. I'll do it. I was like, why are you going to tell the story about your couple? You know, I was like, I only I only have two switches on and off. So are we going to tell, be, keep it real? Or are we not? She's like, no. She's like, I guess we can't get fired. I was like working for myself as an esthetician. She was working for her mom. So I guess that was our, like, that was our green light. If we're not going to get fired, we should be honest. <laughs> so true. And so, and that's really where it started. And like, I remember just feeling really flattered and like, I was, I had like a business, it was a small business and I was doing my thing, but I didn't really feel that fulfilled in it. And I was really trying mm. to figure out what am what is, what's going to, what's going to happen? Like, it was really starting to dawn on me that I was not alone, but kind of. And like, it was my responsibility to be a parent to my daughter and like be successful. There was just like a lot of pressure to like, my relationship wasn't, didn't work. I'm a single mom. I didn't feel super fulfilled in my career at the time. And like, I was doing enough. And then here's this woman that I didn't really know very well and hung out with twice saying, let's do something together. And it did. It felt like, it felt like, you know, when like someone picks you to be on their team at school. Oh, babe, you. I, you. Get I don't know what that's like, <laughs> you know, and I was, I, the pick I, last. <laughs> I was just excited that you wanted to hang out with me, too. Honestly, that's how I, I felt, that. too. And, and it's kind of we got to know each other on the podcast. I think that's our audience has really, you know, has really grown with us because we've they've listened to us grow together and hear stories for the first time together on the podcast. I mean, now, of course, me and Mila are besties and we're always fucking together. But even now I still hear things like it's just I think I think people want that authentic conversation. But often what I found when I was listening to podcasts was that everything seems so sugarcoated. And I was just like, I'm not married. I'm single. I'm black. Like, you know, like I don't 
I don't, I don't, but I also don't relate to this, but I also don't relate to that. So it's just like, where is the middle? Where is something in the middle that I can understand that's like digestible to me? And I don't know how, but we, we created this space and it's been just a beautiful journey to be able to do this and grow and heal on the mic every week with my, my best friend. Yeah. I think, I think even looking at Instagram again, like Instagram is a lie and just seeing so many moms looking perfect. Like it's, it's could be very triggering for a new mom. It can be very triggering for a newly single mom and seeing women in their fucking white picket fences and their clean white t-shirts with no stains on them and their marriage. And it's like, what the fuck? This is not what this shit looks like over here. And, you know, and I think we found like, we found each other in that and in this place where we were just trying to figure it out and we were honest about it. It's so funny. Honestly, I was looking through my phone and I have so many fucking pictures of Erica. But I remember when we first started the podcast, like the first episode came out and I was like, I told her, I was like, I think we're going to have to hang out more because we're gonna have to take more pictures together. And now we have like, it's important. Got to do it for the gram. We have to. Do, I was like, I think we're going to have to take more like hang out because we're going to have to take pictures. And now we're like fucking see each other every fucking 20 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I have so much to friggin unpack with you too. Like. I need to go back to this first point that you made sort of in the realm of like, even when you mentioned being a single mom and like being on Tinder, because this is something that is widely talked about in terms of not being a mom. People are, you know, it's widely celebrated. We hold up a sexy woman until she becomes a mother. And then we look at mothers like they shouldn't be sexual beings. And I think we forget that for many women, for most women, not all women, you become a mother by having sex. Hello. 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 I am always so shocked at the amount of people that believe or kind of adhere to once you become a mother, you should, you know, hide your sexuality or, oh my gosh, you've got kids that are going to see this. Or how do you, how do you think they feel? And, you know, we've learned so much over the years about sex positivity and the positive impact it has on kids, like how good it is for kids. Has it been hard in any way or has it been freeing or maybe a little bit of both to kind of merge these two worlds together, this like pre-mom, post-mom, but your sexuality throughout it all into motherhood? It's been scary. It, it, I think initially it was scary, but I don't know what really, I think our, each, our validation of each other really let us press forward in that. And also just like, like I said, I didn't really know any other way to be. And I, I, I was kind of tired of trying to dwindle these lines of what I was supposed to be. And I think that the more we get into the space, the more we talk about it, it's so clear. And I think a lot of women forget that you cannot have the divine feminine without sex. You cannot have the divine feminine without sensuality and sexuality. As women, we are sexual beings. We are sex. We are creators. That is our divine right to take up that space. And patriarchy and society have stripped that part of us. And that's why we're in balance. Denying parts of us and not feeding all of parts of us is exactly what creates these hiccup in the matrix, really. Um, you cannot have women and femininity without thinking of sensuality and sexuality. And like, it, it's been actually really, it's been difficult to navigate. I think sometimes, I think initially there was a lot of fear of being judged. We're talking very transparently about things that a lot of people are not willing to talk about, but it's been so true. But that are happening, just not talked about. Exactly. Let's be clear. Let's be clear. They're happening. Let's be clear. Bitches are fucking. Okay. Let's <laughs> <laughs> it's happening. Everywhere, every day. At, at least I hope so. I if hope you're listening so. to this. You did it last night. Don't fucking lie. <laughs> if, Don't. If, not me. I didn't. 
you, I was or sick you thought about it while you were masturbating. Someone did it who's listening right now. I know it. And, and and you and you should feel okay with that. It's okay yeah. to be a mom that masturbates. It's okay to be a mom that wants to fuck. It's okay to crave healthy, good penis. Like these are parts of our human desires that are natural. And just because you're a mom, you don't dry up, shrivel, and die. And that parts of part of you dies. In fact, when In fact, that- it's activated. Is it though? Because this is where I got a, okay. So you mentioned earlier, you know, you were saying uh, you were very thin after having a baby. I'm sure people praised you for that a lot. And that becomes, it's not great for either side, but there's a part of it that you also said, you know, you were breastfeeding, sharing your body and dealing with the postpartum body. How did you, I mean, I talk about the postpartum space a lot. So how did you meld sort of one, being the idealistic body, but two, bringing your sexuality with your motherhood, knowing you have to, you just fucking shared your body in not just like an intimate way, but a sacrificial way. Like it's, we share our bodies with partners and we share our bodies in so many different ways. But when you share your body with your child and then you birth them and feed them from that body, that's a whole other level. Talk to me how you found getting into sex with that realm. I think there's a time where your body just isn't. That is the sacrifice. It just is. I mean, I, I believe that there's ways to like, you know, empower that part of you, you know, throughout. However, it's, it's hard. Okay. And like, there is a time where like, it is like your body's not your own, but there comes a time too, where baby girl, that body is, it's time to come back to the body. There's a period where you're like, okay. And, and scene. And you know, see. and it's uncomfortable, <laughs> but get back into it. Okay. Like there, like, I think it, it can be something that women kind of slump into because you do give and give and give and fucking give some more. And it feels exhausting and crazy. And it feels it's a transition. No one really talks about. And you're supposed to be so happy about it and grateful. Like, at least I can breastfeed. At least I am skinny, you know, like, and then you almost feel guilty about like, okay, can you fucking get off of me, please? get the fuck off me. And that was like, I was like, I don't know, like six weeks postpartum, five weeks maybe. And I remember my, I was like breastfeeding or about to like put her down. And my baby daddy was like asking me for some head. And I almost like, I, my, I could feel my head like spin around in a full 360, like the exorcist. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Like, don't ask me for shit. I couldn't, I couldn't believe the audacity of this motherfucker to ask me for some head. <laughs> And then I it, like I felt like I was in the twilight zone, like, oh, my God, this is going to be my life for the rest of my life. I'm going to be serving people. I'm going to be serving. I'm going to be serving my kid. They're going to be taking from me and there's not going to be anything left for me. And that was a big fear that no one like addressed, because then you talk about it. You feel bad for having these thoughts because you're a mother. You're supposed to give how selfish of you to not to think these negative thoughts, but those are very normal thoughts to have. And like, and in fact, I wish people talked about it more. And like, just because maybe you're like, my body did change in ways. And from the outside looking in, it didn't look like a really big change to someone, but like there was discoloration in, in my stomach to the rest of my body, which I thought was really weird. Your areolas grow to the size of Texas. It for looks, real. It's, it's work. I mean, for some, it's easy to get back but for some, it's not most, I would say it's not. And it's, and it does require work. It does like, it's not just going to show up, you know, it's not, Well, I think sex, sex in any realm involves enthusiastic consent. And it is really hard to give that in a season that you are touched out. You're incredibly touched out by an entirely different chapter of your life. But when you're ready to step back in you're ready to step back in like real, uh, I honestly, and I, and I say this as like a realm of 
hope because I'm one year postpartum. And I swear to God, I didn't have a thought about sex until it was like nine months later, like nine months after. And then all of a sudden I was, it was like an awakening. And I swear to goodness, our sex life is better now than it was before having a child together. And I think that that's kind of like the cool part about being a mom and stepping into what it is to share your body, but also to honor those fucking boundaries that you have with your consent and not, you know, going through seasons of sacrifice or like you said, Mila, serving with your body when you don't want to, then you don't hold that resentment with your body and you don't carry it with you in your relationships. I think this is an important thing to remember that it's truly not a responsibility. Masturbation does exist for a reason. I think that your needs change after. I'm like, think I'm sitting here thinking too, right now. I just had an epiphany about my relationship with my ex and like my needs sexually changing after I had a child, like what, what I was, what I was willing, what I wanted and what I was willing to accept sexually before was different than what I wanted after my child. And I think for sometimes that change in you, because as a woman and as a mother, you do change, there's a shift. And I think sometimes our partners are not prepared for this shift and they're like, Whoa, who the fuck? And it's like, yeah, I I don't know, but this is me now. (laughs) And like, you're still figuring it out too. Who this new, who, who this person who is not new, but is new and all these different requests that now you need a, because now you have a child, your expectations Mm. are different. The things that like mattered before, like either don't, or they matter even more now because there's like this child that you have to take care of. And I know, think for me sexually, I was like, I just had a big, I had a better idea. Like I was like, I know what I want sexually. This is what I want. And whereas before I might, I was a little bit more hesitant to kind of like share what it is that I wanted. And I, Something yes. just felt more empowered for me to ask for that in a way. Um, I want it and I have time. This is what I yeah, want. Yeah, like, look, I listen, like, we only have this amount of time. Like, let's, like, make sure we're both getting what we need. And, you know, sometimes you have a partner that rises to the occasion or, or just is intuitive enough to know, like, hey, wow, my partner's really wants this for me now. Like, I'm going to adjust. This is exciting. Or you have a partner that's resistant and can't get with the program. And ultimately, you start feeling bad and questioning yourself. Like, oh, my God, is there something wrong with me? Am I asking for too much? Like, how dare I ask for something after everyone's taken from me all day long? <laughs> like, it's it, it really is a transition. And it is like a... It's like a rebirthing of yourself. I cannot tell you how many times this last week I have gone into my bag and grabbed a Simply Protein bar. Simply Protein is one of my favorite ways to truly do life. So while we take a break, let's talk about it because they are truly my new favorite plant-based protein snack brand, Simply Protein. And they have a variety of products from snack bars, cookie bars, and energy bites with flavors for days, whatever your appetite desires. I'm really into the chocolate peanut butter vibe, so that seems to be my go-to. And Simply Protein team believes that wellness is a personal endeavor, not a prescriptive one. Their snacks are made with plant-powered fuel to inspire and help energize you to live life on your terms with the fuel to be you. Because the path to feeling good is as individual as we all are. And while our journeys are all so different, we all share a need for protein. It's not just for athletes and those who compete, but for everyone, everyday people, and any body. Simply Protein helps give me the fuel I need throughout the day, whatever it is that I'm doing. That has been so proven the last couple weeks. 
Right now, you can try their new snack bars, cookie bars, and energy bites by shopping on simplyprotein.ca or simplyprotein.com. And I've got a code for you. You can use code PAPAYA15 for 15% off your purchase. You can also follow them on Instagram at simplyprotein for more inspiration and to learn more about the brand and see what they've got coming up. One more time, that's papaya15 for 15% off your purchase at simplyprotein.ca or simplyprotein.com. Let's get back to the show. So another thing that you both touch on a lot within your own podcast and with your platform is cannabis within motherhood. Now, this is something that's come up a lot more in Canada. Cannabis is now legal, but we see mom wine glasses, wine labels, wine bottles, alcohol, and motherhood are a very marketed and adored combination. But then you combine cannabis and motherhood, and it is immediately, like, even when I talk about it now, I still have to fight the feeling that it is somehow not wrong because there is a lot of unwriting to do about cannabis in general. How has, let's just talk about that for a second, what you witnessed into what you know is true when it comes to cannabis and motherhood and maybe some misconceptions that you've maybe heard along the way. Well, okay. Well, first me and Mila are both, like we both grew up in LA. So like the the rules of cannabis has been illegal here growing up, but it was just a little bit, I think, it was a little bit more lax, a little Cannabis more social is California culture. It's more, it was more socially acceptable. However, that's not to say that me growing up was my mom smoking weed in front of me. No, but did my friends like mom hit bong rips in their ha- apartment in the Valley? And I hit, yeah, I, yep. It happened. But which probably doesn't happen in like, you know, other places in America where like, it's like you for sure going to jail. You're a mother smoking weed with, an, you know, but I think that for me, my journey with cannabis and motherhood was different than Jamila's for sure. I mean, I was, I guess, a stoner, you know, in high school. I smoked weed. I started smoking weed pretty young. I started smoking weed probably around like 13 or 14. Always been a part of my life. I hid it from my mom. And then at some point I didn't. And then when I had, when I got pregnant with Irie, I was like terrified. I followed everything to a T. Like I was like, we cannot have salami. I cannot have like cheeses that are not pasteurized. Sushi's off the table. Weed for sure. To the point where like weed was like, I hated the way it smelled. My partner smoked a lot of weed and I just, I couldn't even, I couldn't even be in the house with him. So after I had my daughter, I was like, okay, well now I can start smoking weed. But then I, I did, I felt like, well, is it weird that I'm a mom that smokes weed? Like, is this, is this, I don't know. I felt, I felt indifferent about it. Even though I knew that I love weed, I felt like, wow, this is like unacceptable. And it took me, I think also with motherhood too, like I just, I was in a different zone, but it took me a while to kind of get back to understanding that like, this is okay. Like mm-hmm. it's okay. Would you have felt the same way about wine? Would you have felt the same type of Oh, I was drinking wine. wine all the time. Are you kidding me? Like And that didn't bother you. Yeah. No, no. But I think it took time. And then obviously I have so many friends that smoke weed. It was inevitable that it was going to happen. But when it came to, you know, being honest with my daughter about smoking weed, like that was something where I felt like a lot of like indifference about because I'd been hidden from me my whole life. Like my my parents were the ones that went in the back and like smoked and like, you know, came back and were like, everything's fine. Nothing, we're not high. And they're like, I'm like, it's it smells like incense. But Jamila really kind of, I don't know, like made it the way that she explained her cannabis use 
in front of her child was so beautiful. And I think she'll, she'll share what, how she explained it to me. I was like, wow, that makes perfect sense. And now it's like, my daughter knows I smoke weed. It's not a secret. I go outside. She knows I'm mommy smoking flowers and that's it. Like there's, she's no, there's no interest for her just as much as there's no interest for me drinking a glass of wine in front of her. Like it's that they're the same. I, I, I don't know. I was just like on some hippie shit. I, I didn't, my parents did the same thing, hit it and like went in the garage, came back smelling of a scent that I couldn't identify. And I felt like they were doing something wrong in there. I remember thinking like, I think my dad told me I was like six, there was some zigzag papers and I wrote on them. I know what you do with this. I remember the zigzag papers too. And I asked my mom, she was like, I don't know what those are. They're for numbers. My dad's like, they're for phone numbers. You write phone numbers on them. Um, and I just felt super disrespected even at six. Why the fuck are you lying to me like this? So when I, I remember I was, before I was a mom, I was in Atlanta in like a very kind of hippie-ish community. And there was a family and we all got in the car and there was kids of all different ages and they grew weed. The dad got in the car and there's like a friend of a friend with a huge plant of weed. And he's like, oh, look what we grew. And he passed it around to his daughters and they smelled it. And he's like, isn't daddy's flowers so beautiful? Look how good these buds came. And I was like, boom, that's it. That and like ever since I saw that family, I haven't seen that family since that family, that example. I was like, that makes sense. And so I took that and I'm grateful for that. You know, that one family who I got that example from, because even now, like, you know, Luna was in kindergarten. She was like, mom, so-and-so said weed at school. I was like, well, what was the context? She's like, I don't know. He had a stick and he was like, this is weed. I was like, did anyone tell the teacher? She's like, no, but I just feel happy that like, even at five years old, she could feel comfortable enough to come to me and say something so minor. Whereas if you're in a household that maybe it's this big, scary secret or this big drug, which in my opinion, it is not, it's medicine. And I think that it kind of starts the conversation early that we can talk about anything. It is a flower and it is like, you know, I just feel like it's an open, it's been kind of an open platform for us to discuss the things it's good for. And, you know, it's just, it's not everybody's forte, but this is what works for my family. And I think that like, you know, I, for me, I learned about weed from like a smelly teenager. Like I wish that like, I could have had this conversation with my mom, someone that was an experienced cannabis smoker that, you know, uh, you know, if having that conversation, maybe, I don't know. So it would have swayed me from smoking, but it was the mystery and like the naughtiness that really enticed me in the first place. Mm-hmm. Much like alcohol, like in ways like with, Sex. with the restriction, like oh, you can't once you turn 21, then you can get wasted. So like here I am at 16, like, ooh, we're like 21 year olds getting wasted, like because it's naughty, you know, and like when you take away the 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 shininess, mis- mis- the mystery. It's- it's not, it's not that fucking miraculous, actually. The same with sex, like you said, exactly. As somebody who used to run my own little handmade jewelry store, I can't tell you how much I love this brand, Golden. Golden has a mission, make it by hand, make it personal, make a difference by creating connections and giving back through every purchase. They have the most beautiful jewelry. I have a stack of bracelets on my hand right now that I have not taken off since it arrived. And that goes to show you how well it's accompanying me in my life. Their jewelry has modern personalization options that allow you to create a piece that tells your story. And there's a million ways to make it yours or for whoever you're giving it to. Each piece is handmade just for you. You choose the metal, 
the size, and personal inscriptions to be hand-stamped by their makers. And every piece comes with a letterpressed, gift-ready packaging and handwritten note and jewelry care kit. They also offer a happiness guarantee on all of their pieces, even if it's been personalized. Golden believes in empowerment through craft by providing local craft workers in the Pacific Northwest with jobs working within a process that reduces waste, recycles scrap, and increases material sustainability. They also donate 10% of all profits and through more special collections to organizations that support their core causes of education, liberation, and community building. Golden is female-founded and run with a workforce consisting of 80% women. You have got to check them out. They are absolutely amazing. And right now you can use code PAPAYA at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. Visit gldn.com to find the perfect piece and make it yours or for somebody that you're giving it to. Again, that's gldn.com and use code papaya at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. Let's take a quick pause to talk about how our issues with self-worth can be common, but there's still no one size fits all approach that works for everyone. And whatever challenges you're facing in your mental health, whether you're struggling with low self-esteem, body issues, anxiety, or anything else, or all of the above, there is no one-size-fits-all solution. Plus, there's work, school, relationships, pulling you in every direction. It can be hard to find time to focus on what you really need. That's why Talkspace Online Therapy gives you unlimited access to a licensed therapist so you can set aside time to put yourself first. And I know that can be so challenging. Life is busy. And oftentimes we're feeling like we have to fit another thing in. It just doesn't feel like it can work. But therapy has been one of the key things to make sure that I'm taking care of myself and being equipped with the tools I need to navigate everyday issues, whether it is body image issues, whether it's anxiety or imposter syndrome, stuff that comes up all the time. And though we often face similar struggles, everyone's path to healing is going to look entirely different. So no matter where you are in your mental health journey, you deserve better care than just a generalized advice cobbled together from Dr. Google. That's why talking to a real mental health professional is so important. Talkspace has thousands of licensed therapists across dozens of specialties, so you can connect with someone who's trained for just what you need. So you can take care of your mental health on your time at your pace. Instead of a therapist squeezing you into their busy schedule, Talkspace fits into yours. With 24-7 asynchronous messaging, you can talk about what's going on on your mind in the moment without having to wait for an appointment. You also have chat, video, or audio options for live sessions so you can get support on your own terms from any device. And your privacy is priority. Talkspace has encryption and added security features to keep your conversations secure. Get the one-size-fits-one support you need with Talkspace. Sign up today at Talkspace.com and you're going to get $100 off your first month with promo code PAPAYA. That's $100 off at Talkspace.com promo code PAPAYA. Take care and let's get back to the show. You know, I was not somebody who ever grew up ever using cannabis. I've never smoked it a day in my life, but we, I have always been normalized about alcohol around motherhood. And I found myself getting like really bad after effects from a lot of different alcohol, whether it was migraines or anxiety. And I just was finding myself like getting that buzz at the end of the week was not becoming worth it because it was lasting for days and days. And so I tried edibles just a couple months ago for, I think maybe the second time in my life. 
And I was blown away that I had this relaxing moment. I felt cognizant, but enjoyed every moment of things. And then the next day woke up and had no after effects. And I swear to God, that realization, I just like woke up and it was even funny, just like saying to my, like, I told my mom, I was like, we did edibles on the weekend and I feel so like good afterwards. And I've never had that experience with alcohol the same way. Like I'm so used to feeling awful after having that. And I just was so had the best night of sleep. Like it was so good. And I just was really shocked about it and really shocked about the, just some of the narratives that were inside my head around it. And just even, even as we're having this conversation, like my anxiety is definitely heightened because we're talking about something that I grew up knowing as wrong or as naughty and not supposed to be done. And as a people pleaser inherently, even like I didn't even drink underage. Like I definitely, I followed every rule book there was. So when you say like when something's naughty, I, I leaned away from that stuff, but it's been interesting, you know, we, as things have gotten more normalized, but talking about them, talking about sex with your kids, talking about alcohol with your kids, talking about, you know, cannabis with your kids is not always the most comfortable feeling in the world. Cause it does feel like you're somehow teaching them something, but in fact, you're empowering them to their decisions in a really safe and guided way. Like that's, I don't believe that bubble wrapping makes people make better choices. I think that the best way to move through life is to educate, to talk about things, to lay it on the table. Because it's not one conversation. I think too, like, don't like, <laughs> it's not the birds and the bees. Like it's so much more than that. It really is. And it's like, there's not like, okay. I, I think like, I think like around 11 is a good age. Like who makes up these numbers? Like who the fuck makes these numbers up <laughs> of like when certain conversations are supposed to be had? I mean, the first conversation you have about sex with your child is about their own sexual body, you know, like you, they need to know about themselves. That's in order the first to sex conversation. Boundaries. Like if you've already had that conversation with your kid, you've already started the sex conversation. Guess what? Maybe you didn't know it, but Hey, I'm here to tell you that you did. And guess what? You've got to keep having it. And then eventually you'll probably get to the active sex and hopefully your kid will feel like empowered enough and feel comfortable enough to, if she ever, he ever has like a question, he doesn't go to his smelly teenager friend (laughs) and ask them a question that they don't really know anything about. You know, because, and that's really what these conversations and creating safe spaces for your kids is about is like, because we are, we're the, we are the, we're responsible for our kids. Like we're responsible until, you know, they they go off into the world and they do their own thing. But, but, but as a parent, you always hold this level of responsibility. I believe even after your kids leave the nest of hoping that you've created a safe space for them to lean on you for advice, for them to pick at your brain based on your life experience And yeah, it's just, it's so important that we have these conversations. There's like a huge misconception, I think, of like having certain conversations that you're introducing these things to your children. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, hello, it's 2022 and the internet is alive and real, you know? And there's Mm -hmm. like, even before the internet, when we were kids, these are things that we knew about, but not, not necessarily indulge in them. But like there are, there's information we're getting that's just not true. Like, I think even for us, we were on another podcast and we, (laughs) we got a, someone coming in like, these women, oh, they don't care about their kids. They want to get high and have sex. And I think there's just a misconception that being liberated women and having these conversations that we're just like planting these seeds of sex and weed. But, you know, the truth of the matter is like, I, I do believe cannabis is a medicine and a spiritual flower. And like a lot of times I've smoked weed and like, I think people have this, this misconception, like 
your your brain on drugs is that frying egg. But it's like I've been I've sat and played Barbies for fucking hours high because now I have the patience. Now, all that shit I was thinking about, all that anxiety, all those bills, they don't matter because I'm just sitting here and I'm looking at my child and this is what matters, you know, and I'm I'm more playful and I'm and I have more patience and I'm more in tune because I've taken the time to care for myself in the way that I do. And then I have the time and the space and the patience to play with my child. And the same with like sex, like obviously we're not talking about sex with our children. We're sex positive moms, but I didn't get a conversation about sex growing up. You know, someone found birth control and I got in trouble and I lied instead of just because I was my period or what, I don't know what the fuck I said, but you know, even like till this day, I'm not a huge masturbator because that I, I didn't feel, I feel almost ashamed after I masturbate, like I'm fucking 12, but it's just like these little things, these little nuggets that you drop as a parent that says, Oh, this is totally normal. Oh, you walk in on your mom, your kid masturbating or touching themselves. You close the door and you have a conversation about it later. Like, Oh, everybody does that. That's totally normal. Make sure you wash your hands. Make sure you do it alone. No one's with you. Make sure you close your door. Like those are normal conversations. And those are the little conversations that make or break in the future when something happens, if they're going to tell you or if they're not, you know, or if they're going to feel comfortable, you know, there's just first we have to first it, like acknowledge that we have to be one with our own bodies, be comfortable with our mm-hmm. own bodies, be comfortable with mm-hmm. the pleasure that we bring ourselves, especially as women and as little girls, you know, we've lost our virginities and got nothing out of it for years because we weren't taught that our pleasure is a priority and that it's important. In fact, we're taught that it's to please men. Yes. And, and to be kept. And that's really a, a false narrative if I've ever heard one. And it, it takes a long time to unlearn that unless you have mothers and fathers who are welcoming those conversations and normalizing the fact that we all have bodies that have innate responses that are supposed to be pleasurable. And, you know, there's just like, I think our whole concept at Good Moms is that like honest parenting is the best parenting at an age appropriate place because inevitably all this shit is going to come up anyway. Yeah. And, you know, age appropriate, this comes up a lot too, but I was following, there's so many great accounts. I don't know which one I learned this on, but they were like, you can start teaching your kids consent from the day they're born. And it was as simply as I'm just going to change your diaper right now, introducing them to what's going on. Like, do you want to give a kiss or do you want this? Or like, you're asking, you're in teaching them boundaries and consent from the moment of birth. And the way that we reflect upon that. And as your kids grow and go into the world, they carry that with them. And Mm -hmm. I have a friend who she just made a TikTok the other day. She was like the first conversation I ever had with my parents about sex was letting them know I was pregnant as a teenager, right? Like not talking about sex doesn't prevent sex, not talking about the use of, you know, cannabis or drinking alcohol does not prevent it from happening, but it creates a lot of consent. It creates a lot of information. It creates a flow of communication and it creates safety. And I think that this is like such a big, and, and I say this from somebody who you know, my parents were really open and honest with us, but I still grew up in a very conservative environment, which meant that shame was introduced around masturbation. Shame was introduced around alcohol. Shame was introduced around sex, which just made a lot of it feel very shameful as you, like, even as I began learning what it was to drink, I didn't even know what those limits were. I I only knew them when I was past them. I struggled to figure it all out. Sex always felt wrong. It wasn't pleasurable because it did feel wrong because I'd never gone through masturbation before. Cause I, again, thought it was wrong. This creating consent is creating so much more. It's creating joy in that person's life. It's creating safety. It's creating healthy boundaries and it's creating really important conversations. And so I I just have to thank you for everything that you're doing. I think that 
we just did your podcast and I'm like, I could sit and freaking talk to you all for hours. I have childcare for five more minutes. So we <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. But I just think that these conversations, while can be uncomfortable for some people are important ones because uncomfortable conversations are how we learn from each other. And they're the ways that we can push ourselves to think about different things and to think about, you know, actually what's real and facts and not necessarily what we always grew up to know and hear. And I think that that's why, I mean, think about it for a second. You both probably, like you said, on another podcast, you got a lot of shame about, you know, who, what it, who you are as mothers, just wanting to smoke weed and have sex. And it's like, no, I want to be a mom and smoke weed and have sex. And these things, there's duality to it, right? These things can coexist and they can beautifully coexist. And if we can celebrate you know, a mom in an unhappy marriage, drinking wine every day to cope through that. We can also celebrate a mom who is a single mom and figuring it out and also doing all the things and having sex and smoking, having sex, being a good mom, starting businesses, empowering the people, working on your healing, like spending time with friends. Like there's just, we're so women, we're so multidimensional. And like, I, I refuse to be put in a box and I, and I refuse to allow women to feel like they have to either. I think that's really the goal of good moms. It's like, no, 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 no. We're all different and, and that's okay. And we all do different things and we don't, we don't have to judge each other. You know, I really encourage listen, anyone listening right now, I, I know this con- for some people, this conversation is drawing and this conversation is uncomfortable, you know, even for Sarah and for, and, and for, for Erica and I in the beginning, honestly, but I've found that there's so much power in just releasing your, like your judgment of other people and kind of stepping outside of that. And I encourage you to do that and think what makes you happy and do that shit. Mm. Even if you maybe previously been told it's not okay, or it's not motherly or whatever the fuck, I encourage you to make your own ideas about what's good and what's bad, because that's really the whole concept of good moms, bad choices is like the things we've been necessarily told are bad may actually be healthy for our soul. You know, Mm -hmm. you dropping those motherfucking kids off and going to have a weekend for just you to do whatever the fuck you want is actually probably good, you know, and despite your 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 parents, your mother in law, your friends telling you, judging you. A lot of times we're projecting judgment because we're judging ourselves. And I just encourage you to stop doing that. Women, this is the time of unity and um, just like a divine femininity and, and joining in mm-hmm. power in that. And I just encourage you to guys come listen to our catalog of over 200 episodes where oh my gosh. you can get to know us more. And we're, I swear to God, we're not just smoking weed and having sex. <laughs> we're talking about some really um, powerful shit over there. And I just encourage you to tap in and kind of change your perspective and what you've been taught. A lot of things we've been taught, we haven't even chosen for ourselves. We just inherit it. And so I encourage you to to choose what you believe and choose who you are as a mother and as a mom and as a woman and and do that. Thank you both so, so much. I'm going to have that in the show notes as well. And like you said, out of one side of our mouths, we're like, you can't be a good mom if you're filling, if you're pouring from an empty cup, but we're also shaming women for filling their cups Mm. and how they do that. Mm -hmm. Right. So I hope that we really think about that as we move forward and really like we said, don't judge. Like, even if you're somebody who doesn't want to ever smoke weed a day in your life and be a mom, that's still, I love that it's good mom's bad choices because there is no bad choices, right? Well, I guess there are some, there are some, but but these ones are like, yeah, we're hopefully yes. we learn from them. They're going to be bad sometimes. We're like, not perfect. Be bad sometimes. You know? like, uh, 
I love it. Thank you both so much. I've enjoyed spending this afternoon with you truly hours in, and I'm so excited for this episode. And thanks everyone for listening. We will see you next week. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at the papaya podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.